You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, everybody? This is Trey Biddy with Hogsports.com, H-A-W-G Sports.com. Got a great show lined out for you today. Mitch Harper from Cougar Sports Insider is going to join us to help us break down a little bit with the matchup with BYU this weekend. Curtis Wilkerson, of course, is going to hop on, uh, as he usually does on Thursdays as well. Saturday, September 16th, 6.30 p.m. Central Daylight Time on ESPN2. The BYU Cougars will come to Fayetteville. This is the first matchup for Arkansas against a notable opponent. Arkansas is one of four teams. Georgia, Missouri, Kentucky, and Arkansas are the teams that really haven't faced a notable opponent yet. We're going to find out a lot more about both of these squads uh, here in just a few. This is your Arkansas versus BYU primer. And before we get started, I want to remind you there's plenty of ways to watch and listen. You can always tune in on Facebook Live. Follow the page if you haven't done so already. Also available on YouTube. Subscribe to that page and hit the notifications bell so you're notified anytime we upload a new video. And throw us a like or a thumbs up on both of those platforms. Also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, several other podcast uh, options out there, depending on what your favorite platform is. And throw us a five-star review if you haven't taken a moment to do so. Want to jump right into this? Interesting week of practice for Arkansas. Pads been popping. I mentioned the other day we went out there on Monday. No, I don't think I mentioned that because we did the show before Monday. But they were just doing this linebacker drill, guys. <laughs> they were doing like pretty heavy contact drills, and they were in shells this day. Uh, but I was just standing over there by the linebackers talking uh, to some people, and then I just hear pow, pow. Just like, I mean, just like way louder than normal like you hear, hear pads popping and stuff but I mean they were they were hitting each other over at the linebacker group and I was just like whoa what the hell's going on over here and other people were taking notice uh one reporter asked Sam Pittman about it we'll talk about that a little bit here in a minute but I mean they were like really laying into each other um the vibe at practice all week has been different obviously you would expect for a program as notable as BYU a program that's got a lot of history obviously uh Arkansas obviously went up there last year and handled business pretty good. Didn't, you know, didn't have too much of a problem dispatching the BYU Cougars. A lot different team this year for both squads, you know. And, you know, we've talked a lot about how Arkansas has been, you know, disappointing so far in two games. It's really hard to judge teams, I think, based on, you know, how they play against, I don't want to call anybody sisters of the poor, but against teams that just aren't on the same level, right? Uh and, you know, we saw some, you know, down performances by other teams, Kentucky and Missouri and Tennessee. You know, they, they weren't just, like, setting the world on fire. One game I brought up a little bit back in 2021, if you look at the Rice game, Arkansas beat them by um, 21 points in the opener, had 13 penalties. And then the next week, they walloped Texas. 
you know. And after that Rice game, we're just thinking like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if this is – you know, they look kind of sloppy. I don't know if they're ready for Texas. Um, you know, I've mentioned other games in the past where Arkansas lost to Liberty last year, and then two weeks later they're up 42-6 to on Ole Miss. Of course, we talk about the 2015 team quite a bit with Danny Enos' first year. We don't talk about 17 and 18 as much. I get it. Um, but we do talk about, or excuse me, 16 and 17 as much. Obviously not 18 and 19, but um, we don't talk about those years as much where the offense wasn't as prolific. But when he had a really good quarterback in Brandon Allen, a guy that's still in the NFL, um, is Brandon still in the NFL? Let me know in the comments. I don't even, I don't know if he's still on the roster or not, actually. Uh, but spent several years in the NFL. We know what that offense was like. And, um, you know, I think they potentially have an NFL quarterback also in K.J. Jefferson as well. But a different vibe at practice at week uh, this week, and uh, you know I saw it on Monday, right off, right out, right out of the gate. And Sam Pittman, you know, has kind of said that again uh, in press conferences since then. We talked to him yesterday that you know practice, the vibe has just been at another level. You would expect that. It's going to be a great environment. Six thirty, the weather's going to be nice. It's a high of seventy-seven. It's going to be in the sixties when this game goes. Uh, so. Fantastic upper 60s, but uh, wow, what an environment this game is shaping up to be. Uh, weather wise, opponent wise, two undefeated teams. BYU has won like six in a row. So, uh, Sam Pittman said it's hard to knock off a team that's not used to losing, and so that kind of falls with both teams. Arkansas has won three in a row, uh, dating back to last season to this year. A lot of visitors coming in. This is a big visit weekend. Danny West has a nice uh, breakdown of everybody, but a couple of notable ones. KV on Henderson. Uh, the four-star defensive lineman who's committed to Arkansas out of Leeds, Alabama. Justin Logan, who's just a shade under four-star status, a linebacker out of Georgia. Jeremy Cook out of Hoover, Alabama, Arkansas commit. Bear McWhorter, who's committed for the class of 2026, an offensive lineman. Kanan Cash Archer out of Greenwood. Marcus Wimberly, who's committed to Arkansas in the class of uh, 2025, safety out of Boxite. Lance Jackson, the younger brother of Landon Jackson, who'll be in town, number 221 overall prospect in the country in the class of 2025. So a nice-looking group of visitors coming in this weekend. That's just a few of them that I mentioned. There's there's plenty of others coming in also. So um, Arkansas would love to have a good performance in front of all these guys. If you want good performance, you should check out our friends at Ozarks Go. You can reach them at 479-684-4900, ozarksgo.net slash H-A-W-G. If you want to find out if they're available in your area, uh, that's a good way to find out. You know, they're expanded out to Rogers. They're in most of Fayetteville, Oklahoma, Missouri. If you get Ozarks Electric, then you get, there's a good chance you get Ozarks Go. I use their multi-gig. I've been using this for about a month, month and a half now, not too long. And it has been very impressive. It reaches speeds up to 2,500 megabits per second. Uh, for those of you who don't know what that means, it means it's instant, like I'm watching YouTube or something, and I want to skip ahead. There's no break. It doesn't stop. It just keeps going. Um, so it's been pretty impressive. Before that, I had the gigabit service, which is 1,000 megabits per second. Also lightning fast. It's going to be great for most people. For me, I use, I'm streaming this in 1080p. You know, I use a lot of internet, everybody in my house, all the TVs, all that, you know, everything that you got going on. Um, but I don't notice any problem with bandwidth. If you're, um, not doing all that, or you want the most excellent speed, then you know multi gig is great. But the gigabit's going to work for you really nicely as well for almost everybody out there. And they offer several 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 tiers of service. Go check out our friends at OzarksGo.net/slash hawg um, to find out if they're available in your area. 
I don't have any internet problems. I never have, I've never once have unplugged and replugged. It just works. So, uh, 479-684-4900 to reach our friends over there at Ozarks Go. Great service. Okay. It's a big test. I mean, when you look at these two teams, like Arkansas and BYU, what stands out to me is the numbers, you know, on defense and offense, like two very similar teams. But, you know, both teams, you know, came out pretty strong in week one, not just like perfect, but came out pretty strong. Uh, week two, both of them really took a step back, it looked like. You know, Arkansas had problem, uh, you know, generating a whole lot of offense. Uh, Kent State kept the ball away. And then you look at BYU against Sam Houston State, they scored in the first quarter, they scored in the last quarter, 14-0 game. That was the that was the final result. Both these defensives have played very strong. As you, I, I would say, as you would expect them to play against uh, you know teams at this level, but really above. I mean, when you hold teams out of the end zone, that's that's notable. Um, BYU's given up eight points a game right now. I mean, that's that's low. Uh, Arkansas has given up one touchdown on the whole year so far through two games. Again, you know, you got to look at the level of opponent. Uh, both these teams have not been what you would expect them to be on offense. They've just kind of been, you know, just all right. You know, Arkansas is averaging 42 points a game, which is 22nd in FBS. But, again, you got to look at the opponents. Um, not putting up a whole lot of yardage, 343.5 yards per game. That's 97th. So, Interesting when you look at it that way. When you flip it to the other side, Arkansas is allowing 9.5 points a game, which is um, second nationally. Second nationally to who? Is that right? That can't be right. Yeah. So not a lot of not a lot of points being surrendered. You look at BYU scoring offense, averaging 27.5. That's 77. Total offense, 325.5 yards per game, one-tenth. So – I think a lot of people are probably going to be expecting a low-scoring game. I don't know that I'm necessarily expecting low scoring. I might go the other way. I might surprise everybody. You know, last year Arkansas put, what, 52 on them, 52-35, I believe. The betting line when I looked at Bet Saracen, it was 51-and-a-half last time I looked at it, total points. That's the over-under. So Arkansas scored more points than the line is this year. Obviously, a lot of that's probably based on the way these two offenses have started out. Uh, the line has kind of gone up and down. Like when I first saw it, it was Arkansas was minus nine and a half. That got bet down to Arkansas minus seven and a half. And I just looked at Bet Saracen a second ago, and it's at minus eight and a half. So definitely a lot of fluctuation with the betting line. You don't usually see it kind of go like that, you know. But uh, it has, obviously. Okay. I want to get to some of the press conference video from this week. I've got Kalani Sataki, Sam Pittman, Antonio Greer, and Pooh Paul. Um, I just thought they had some interesting things to say, and uh, we're going to take a minute and listen to what they had to say. It doesn't get any easier. You know, we, we have a great team in Arkansas, a well-coached team. I'm really excited about the matchup. I think I, I can't – I mean, Sam Pittman's an amazing person, and a great mentor and a great coach. And I like being around him. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, talking with him before and after the game. But uh, I think in terms of coaching, man, I just really admire what he's done and and uh, the, the way he, he leads. Um, he's a, obviously a background of, of an O-line guy. So the, I know that they'll be really physical. Um, we played against them last year and they put up a lot of points on us. And 
uh, they they got the victory. So we're looking for the uh, you know for the the rematch and going out to to Arkansas and, and going to enjoy this game and try to get ready for them and the tough team, tons of talent, uh, just like we saw last year. We have mutual friends, which started it, and uh, then uh, I knew uh, Kingsley. You know, their left tackle knew his parents. Um, they rave about Kalani and. Uh, so I already knew some people that told me several wonderful things about him. And then I just like the way his team plays. Uh, but if you talk into coaching circles, uh, he's one of the most well-respected guys in the country. And, uh, and then you go and, and, and play them. Their team plays extremely hard. They're well coached, but, um, they're very disciplined. I just have a lot of respect for him as a family man, as uh, uh, how he runs his business. And and uh, he was very kind to me when we went out there last year. And it's not – and when you lose, you know, obviously we were fortunate we won. It's hard to say some things after the game. It's hard, you know, but he was very respectful of the team and myself and all those things even after the win. So – you know, it's a, it's easy to be a good guy when you win. It's hard whenever you lose. It just hard is, and it's that's in about anything. It feels different out there. Very physical. Uh, has been uh, really good uh, morale. Um, we've got some things to clean up, obviously, but it's hard. You know, you if you if you're worried about effort or or passion or anything like that, which I'm not saying we didn't have it uh we didn't have it as much as we do this week but uh I, I think we're ready to play and we've got to take monday and tuesday and make it wednesday but i'm really you can just feel it's a little bit different out there this week and it feels good so on monday we saw the linebackers hitting each other and it was about as vicious like as a game. And you probably saw that when you watched the film that day. Well, we didn't wrap up very good. And so the only way I know how to get better at it is to go do it. And they, now I'll be honest with you, I was out there watching it live too. And I was like, man, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, it, it, they were getting after it, you know, and every, every group was having a tackling circuit, but this one right here, it drew your attention to it because of the noise that was going on. But, uh, yeah, uh, a lot of strong hitting right there. And we just, you know, we didn't wrap up very good uh, Saturday, and we wanted to make sure we emphasized it. For every game like we played against ourselves, we played the Arkansas standard in every game. Uh, BYU is a great team, by the way. Uh, you know, they, they have a history of winning, as we can see. You know, they have a great head coach. Um, the running back, they're uh, pretty good. Number two and 20, they're two decent good uh, backs. They have a really good tight end, uh, number 83. And they also put number 99 back there at tight end. He's a great run blocker and things like that. They usually uh, use him for, like, match protection and things like that. But overall, great team, uh, highly, you know, highly competitive and uh, well coached. Antonio, you any thoughts about facing BYU, what you see out of them? Uh, really, pull hit it on the head. To be honest, he cut kind of covered all aspects of of them. Um, they're a great team, like he said. And the main thing that I just took from what he said was, we playing the Hogs. You know what I'm saying? We go out and play to our standard. 
um, and really not focused on the opponent. We'll, we'll have a good game. We'll dominate these guys. We're going to join Curtis Wilkerson now. For those of you who don't follow Curtis, you can follow him at Kurt Wilkerson underscore. He's the Hog Sports senior analyst and does a great job. Curtis, a lot going on with basketball. Obviously, we'll get to some football stuff, but just kind of fill us in with what's going on with uh, with basketball recruiting and a recent commitment. Yeah, for sure. Arkansas is on the board for the class of 2024. Picked up a commitment earlier in the week from Jalen Shelley. Uh, right up the road in, in Branson at Link Academy. He's a Texas native. He's going to play a senior season at Link. Uh, really good prospect. I, I think you asked Eric Musselman to maybe paint a picture of his ideal type of recruit. It, it would look a lot like Shelley. I mean, he's a guy who's six foot eight, six nine. Uh, he's a true wing. He's versatile. He's got a seven foot wingspan. Uh, flies up the floor. Excels in transition. He can he can switch and guard multiple positions. So. All those things. Uh, he visited for the Kent State game last weekend. That went really, really well. Uh, worked out perfectly for us. We had Eric Bossy, our, our national basketball director, uh, was then at Link Academy on Monday watching those guys practice. So he got to check him out uh, and then talk to him right as that commitment was was coming official. So that was pretty cool. But uh, he had a lot of good things to say about Shelley. He said he's really coming along, uh, you know, with his off the dribble game, starting to knock down those catch and shoot threes. So it's a guy that's got a ton of upside. I think it's a really good start for the class for uh for Muss, and they're going to try to build on that this weekend. They've got Isaiah Elohim coming in, another four-star prospect. He's a top 40 guy uh, for us at 24-7 sports. He's out of Sierra Canyon. He played with Bronny James last year, uh, another 6'5 wing. He can shoot it. Uh, he's been a high priority for the staff for a long time. Going back to over a year, he was supposed to visit for the Alabama football game last year. Uh, had to move that. He's got it rescheduled. So they're going to see if they can head on to that class this weekend. But yeah, it was kind of a quiet summer for high school recruiting. It was a little bit odd, but it's really starting to pick up now. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Shelley, 6'8", 190, number 48 ranked prospect in the country on the 24-7 sports composite, 14 small forward, and number three overall in Missouri. All right, Curtis, let's take you to football now. We always do the behind enemy lines thing. We ask the same uh, we had the same uh, keys to victory – or not behind enemy lines, sorry. <laughs> the uh, keys to victory and five burning questions. Sorry, behind enemy lines, that's for a later segment. But uh, we always do the same keys to victories, penalties, turnovers, special teams, uh, injuries. And with this one, we always do a fifth different one. And this time you pick fast start. And we know Arkansas's history with fast starts. You have to go back to South Carolina and um, let's see – Kansas, I think, is the only times that they've scored on opening drive possessions in uh, all of last season. And then they opened this season with an opening drive possession, uh, but obviously started really slow with three straight punts uh, this past time. Yeah, for sure. And I, I was kind of going back and forth on, on a number of different things there for that last key to victory. But I, I do. I, th I think a fast start is important. You know, they were they were sluggish last week against Kent State coming out of the gates. And for a while there, it kind of felt like a, the stadium was like a deflated balloon, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I think you go into a game like this, it should just be, you know, a charged up atmosphere. They're playing under the lights. It's the last home game for what, a, a month or so before they're back in Fayetteville. And it's a pretty good opponent coming in BYU. So I, I think it's just going to be an awesome atmosphere. You want to take advantage of that because Arkansas can really have a, a legit home field advantage when that place is rocking. Uh, so coming out, getting off to a fast start, you just kind of immediately shake off any bad vibes from last week uh, and kind of get some momentum rolling and, and built up there, especially with an offense that's been, uh, I don't know, 
the best way to describe maybe a little bit out of sync, Mm -hmm. you know, last week. So I think they get that thing going and get a little bit of momentum. I could see this as a situation where it kind of snowballs uh, in a positive direction for Arkansas. Yeah. And I think you kind of covered, you know, your first key to victory, how the Hogs respond after a sloppy performance. And uh, you think it's a possibility that they, they bounce back strong. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost... Everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Yeah, I, I really do. I, you know, I, I think we've heard the things that we've needed to hear from the players and from Sam Pittman this week. And, you know, we were out there uh, the first couple of days of the week at practice. I, I, I agree. You know, I thought the vibes were pretty good. Uh, they were lively. They were energetic. It was really physical. So, you know, all the things that you want to see in terms of a response, uh, you know, after having kind of a sloppy outing, you know, over the weekend. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like Pittman said in his press conference yesterday, they had a really good Monday and Tuesday. They wanted to carry that over into Wednesday. And obviously you want to see it carry over into Saturday. But, you know, I, 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 I know, you know, from a standpoint of, you know, I cover a lot of basketball. I used to coach basketball. Sometimes it's just hard to get up for certain teams, mm-hmm. no matter how much you talk about it. Uh, and how much you think about it or you emphasize it, sometimes it's just a challenge, man. So I, I think, you know, BYU, again, it's a Big 12 school coming in here. It's it's an opponent that's got a good history. Uh, it's definitely a step up in competition. I just think we're going to see a different type of focus uh, and energy from this Arkansas team this weekend. I'd be really surprised if we did. Yeah, and it's it's an interesting matchup, you know, with, you know, BYU's had a little bit of trouble getting started, uh, obviously, last week on offense. Uh, Keaton Slovis is really an interesting character because of his journey. I mean, he wasn't like a super highly rated guy coming out of high school, but went to USC on scholarship, won the job in 2019 as a freshman. 2020, we're talking Heisman Trophy. This guy, his efficiency rating was uh, – was like 167 or something at 167.6 as a true freshman at USC, which would be an Arkansas school record. 144 the next year, 132 the next year. Um, Trojans went four and eight that season, um, and then transfers to Pitt, and then he's 127 efficiency. It's just like <laughs> trending the wrong direction. But they've got some. I mean, it's a pretty big group. I think Epps is going to be out for them. Um, they thought he was going to be back, and then I think he had a setback, so it looks like he'll be out for them. But they've got really tall wide receivers. you think this secondary can rise up to the occasion? 
Well, we're going to find out. It, it's crazy. You know, again, like we, we do these five burning questions every week. And I, and I feel like, I don't know if I've got PTSD from last year or what it mm-hmm. is, but I think every single week I'm going to be sitting here thinking about it going, well, I wonder if the secondary is going to be ready this week. And, and maybe that's not fair to them. They've looked pretty good the first two weeks here, but again, uh, it is a step up in level of competition. And yeah, Slovis, you're right. He's kind of a, a, a an interesting character for sure. He's definitely the, the best or most talented quarterback uh, that Arkansas is facing. It's, it's certainly going to be the case with the wide receivers and that big tight end that they're going to see as well. So yeah, yeah I, I don't know. You know, I, I think that they're going to be up to the challenge. Uh, but I think what, what's really going to happen here is we're going to learn a lot about the secondary this weekend. Uh, you know, a guy like Jaden Johnson really, really stands out to me. He looks like he's come so far in the first couple weeks. Uh, but, boy, he really struggled in, in SEC games and against better competition last year. So how far has he really come along? You know, we'll, we'll find out. Is, is Dwight McLaughlin healthy enough to to really be out there and play a bunch of snaps? And if he's not, you know, is, is Keon Stewart ready to, to kind of take over and you know, playing a, in a much bigger setting than he did last week. You know, he had his moments last week where he looked pretty good, gave up a deep ball. I thought he covered it pretty well. But uh, this is just a little bit different, and BYU is going to challenge him in different ways with more talent. So it's going to be interesting to see. And, and you were just talking about that passing attack, maybe not so much on the secondary, uh, but maybe even the linebackers, you know, trying to get out there and, and guard that big tight end. What's his last name? Rex. Rex. I don't have it yeah. right in front of me, but – that guy's kind of a monster. Arkansas struggled with that a little bit last week. That guy's going to have to be a focal point for him. So uh, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be a good challenge for Arkansas. And, and again, we'll just learn a lot about this group. Uh, and they need to before they get an SEC play. Yeah, Isaac Rex, 6'6", 255. For his career, he has 84 catches for 1,090 yards and 22 touchdowns. So, uh, yeah, certainly, certainly he's had – and he's just a junior. So certainly had uh, a lot of uh, – a lot of success there. Uh, more explosive plays, Curtis. I, you know, out of everything, I wouldn't have expected to see like these long drives that Arkansas put together. I would have, I would have thought we'd have seen more big plays. Yeah, I agree. Especially the way the season started when what was it sixty-five yards on the, the second play to Jaden Wilson. It's like okay, so so this is what we're going to be seeing. Uh, but since then, there hasn't been that much. You know, I was kind of going through uh, CFB stats and, you know, Arkansas is 95th out of 131 FBS teams. They, they've only got seven plays of more than 20 yards of, against a, a pair of defenses that aren't that great. So uh, it, it's interesting. And I just wonder, you know, if this is going to be the week where, you know, Arkansas just really unlocks and unleashes KJ Jefferson. They did a little bit in the second half, you know, against Kent State. They had to. Uh, but man, I, I just think you've got a couple stars on your offense, right? I mean, you got mm-hmm. KJ Jefferson, you got Rocket Sanders. Rocket is out, and, and so it might just be time to unleash KJ Jefferson, let him do his thing. I mean, he absolutely torched BYU last season. I know there's a lot of new faces over there, but they're probably still having nightmares about it. So uh, I think it's going to be a big game for KJ. Um, you know, I think he's going to be able to, to really throw it uh, and, and maybe impose his will through the air. But I'm anxious to see how much they run him, you know, compared to last week and, and kind of preparing him for moving forward. You've been all over it where you you've, you mentioned in the past and then KJ agreed with you last week. Uh, you know, sometimes he just needs to take a hit, you know, get that first knock and it kind of gets him going. So I don't know, maybe they use his legs a little bit more early and he kind of goes off. Yeah, it would it would help if we could uh, see some some improvement from the offensive line. What do you think is going to happen this week? You think they'll silence some of those critics? <laughs> Man, I don't know. Uh, I I sure hope so. And I don't know. Maybe it, maybe some of the criticism hasn't been that fair. I, I know Sam Pittman talked a lot about. 
uh, it's just kind of complex. You know, when the run game's not really going uh, the way you want it to, it, people automatically point to the offensive line, but there can be a lot of things that factor into that. And obviously, you know, this is a, a group that's breaking in some new guys. They've had some injuries, shuffling things around. They're working on the continuity. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, you just played Western Carolina and Kent State, and, and you didn't dominate them up front. Uh, and, and, and you should have. So, um, you know, I, I would imagine this is going to be a really motivated group. Uh, you know, they're going to come out and, and kind of have a chip on their shoulder and play with a lot more physicality, you would hope. Uh, but, you know, like Pittman said, BYU does some things on that defensive front uh, that, that's caused some problems for Arkansas in the past. And then again, they're, they're breaking in some new guys here. So with a lot of the, you know, the twists, the stunts, the movements up front, are they going to be able to, to account for all those things? Um, we'll see, but I, I definitely think from a from a physicality standpoint, that's something that you can really, really control. Uh, I would imagine that would be improved, but you would hope, you know, that Arkansas can really get things going because, again, this is a step up in competition, but it's going to get real after that for several weeks. So it's kind of a last opportunity to work out some kinks. Yeah, and then, you know, last weekend, I love the way Arkansas finished at the goal line, uh, holding them on four plays out of the end zone. Uh, but in the last couple of weeks, there's been, on the offensive side of things, some issues. They had a fumble. Um, they had an errant snap in the last game. They scored on both of those. But, I mean, some teams are going to make you pay for that. What do you think? Either team flinch in the red zone this week. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. You know, it, it's funny. You look at the numbers and, uh, you know, Arkansas, every time they've gotten in the, in the red zone, they scored a touchdown. They're one of, I think, six teams – uh, in the FBS has done that, and BYU is another one. So Arkansas is eight for eight with touchdowns, and, and BYU six for six. Uh, but you're right; it hasn't necessarily been the smoothest operation down there. So you know, as, as the, the competition levels rise, uh, you can't afford to have some of those mistakes. And then on, you know, it's it's kind of funny on the defensive side of the ball, in terms of uh, red zone defense, both of these teams have allowed one touchdown. Uh, the the percentage of scoring is sixty six point seven percent. Uh, so it's exactly the same parallels across the board on both sides. Uh, and, you know, when you get into a game like this, obviously converting in the red zone is always going to matter. Arkansas struggled with it a little bit at times last year. Uh, the stats tell you one story, but then, like you said, man, you, you take a look at some of the uh, the issues that they've had down there at this point in the season. Uh, and they're not going to be able to get away with that against better teams. So, uh, you know, the difference in a touchdown versus a field goal or, you know, a turnover, no points at all, that stuff really matters in games like this. So, you know, we'll see. I, I think Arkansas has got the advantage there being at home with the crowd, you know, to their back. But uh, at the end of the day, you still got to go out there and execute. So we'll see. All right, Curtis. What do you think is going to happen Saturday? I think Arkansas is going to win this game. I, you know, it, again, they're at home. They're the more talented team. We don't really know what either one of these teams have right now, but we're going to learn a lot about both of them. Uh, I just have a feeling that this is going to be a KJ Jefferson masterclass. I think he's going to have a huge game. Um, and listen, I can see his team being tight going into halftime into the second half. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, I do think Arkansas is going to wear him down and, and pull away. I've got him by two scores. All right, Curtis. Appreciate you, brother. You got it. All right, everybody. That's Kurt Wilkerson. Again, you can follow him at Kurt Wilkerson underscores the Hogsports senior analyst and just does a fantastic job. All right, I'm going to go to Mitch Harper now. Uh, Mitch Harper, for those of you who don't follow BYU regularly, he is the publisher at uh, at Cougar Sports Insider. He does a lot of other things. Mitch, um, let me bring him up real quick. Uh, where are you at? Um, Mitch does a lot of radio, as you'll be able to tell here. He's the host of Cougar Tracks, Cougar Sports Saturday, 
Um, he's the publisher um, of, as I mentioned, Cougar Sports Insider. So without further ado, let's go to Mitch Harper. This guy's got his hands all over um, the uh, BYU athletic department. Mitch, how you doing, brother? Doing great. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing good. It's good to have you back on. We had you on last year. Um, and uh, obviously, you did a great you do a great job with uh, with everything that you do with radio and uh, with Cougar Sports Insider as well. I just kind of wanted to jump right into things here with you um, with this matchup. First of all, we're not going to deviate too far from our five questions for everybody, but uh, there's been a little bit of change with some of the injury stuff since uh, we we spoke last, uh, particularly with Cody Epps. What's the latest with the injury report? Uh, what are you expecting to see Saturday? So Cody Epps had a setback, according to BYU offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick, in divulge as far as what that setback looked like. He ha- he has practiced the past two days, mm-hmm. uh, but if he does play on Saturday night, it's he's not going to be full strength. He's still the day to day situation for his status, uh, but you know having him a, a little bit of a setback, maybe uh, you know Kalani Sataki was very confident after last week's game that Cody Epps would play. This has maybe left it a little more of a gray area, questionable heading into Saturday night. Mm, well, that's unfortunate. Hey, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the offensive line because there's been some issues at tackle. Uh, you know, those guys not grading extremely high. You've got your interior guys there, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe you have two centers and maybe need to bump somebody else to go. I don't know. What 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 are your thoughts on the way the offensive line has started out these first two games? They've played pretty poor, I think. And I thought it was noteworthy that, you know, BYU makes a, a change at running back. They go with L.J. Martin, the freshman uh, ball carrier from El Paso, Texas, who was once a, a Stanford and Texas Tech commit. He, he flipped to BYU late uh, before the early signing period in December. Uh, but BYU's offensive line has just not uh, performed well. L.J. Martin is the one running back that's kind of covered up some of their flaws and you know an offensive tackle Kingsley Sumataia he's someone that uh is considered maybe a first round NFL draft pick and he truly is a, a freak a talent uh great athlete I know Bruce Feldman's rated him as one of the top freaks in college football he is I mean he moves like a like a linebacker how quick he is but uh they just underperformed and, and Caleb Etienne Oklahoma State transfer who had interest from SEC programs the moment he entered the portal uh, is struggling and he's kind of validating what Mike Gundy uh, Oklahoma State's head coach said about him that he lost his job and wasn't performing well uh, and for two weeks he he hasn't performed well to where you maybe wonder if BYU makes the shift at that offensive line spot they do have a, a backup tackle who's maybe their third option his name's Braden Kime was once an off uh, a tight end walk on six foot eight 315 pound offensive lineman he played some snaps against Southern Utah last week, that could be a name to watch if he does get inserted into the lineup. And BYU feels pretty good about him if they need to turn to him. But, yeah, the offensive tackles haven't performed great. The interior, too, is interesting. Connor Pay was the center last year. He switched over to, to, to guard, right guard. And then Paul Miley came from Utah and, and stayed at that uh, center spot that he anchored for the Utes. And just it feels like every, all five of these guys that are playing in new spots that they weren't in last year, I think it's been a little bit longer adjustment period than maybe people thought out here. 
Mitch Harper joining us. Again, you can follow him at Mitch underscore Harper on X or Twitter, whatever we're calling it these days. He's the publisher of Cougar Sports Insider. And as you mentioned, L.J. Martin, a running back I really like, number 266 overall prospect in the country on ESPN, a four-star recruit. Uh, That was certainly a nice get for BYU. But I want to take you now to Keaton Slovis. An interesting journey for this guy. I mentioned earlier – as a true freshman at USC, he had a 167.6 efficiency rating, was a 2020 preseason Heisman Trophy candidate, and then it dips to 144 in 2020, and then 2021, 132.7, and then he goes to Pitt, transfers after Clay Helton is fired in a 4-8 and eight season, and his ratings drips all the way down to 127.1. What are your thoughts on Slovis? Obviously, he's a guy with a lot of talent. But that's a you know kind of an interesting trend to see the efficiency rating drop so much year to year. He's finally in an offense where the offensive coordinator is still in place after Slovis committed to that school. At USC, he committed to an OC, and then that OC changed. And then at Pitt, he commits to Mark Whipple, and then that OC changed as, as Narduzzi switched uh, paths at, at OC there. So it, him and Aaron Roderick are in alignment. They believe in one another. Slovis is very comfortable in this offense. He he worked with John Beck, who trained Zach Wilson, Jaron Hall. So the moment he arrived on campus in Provo in January, he knew a lot about BYU's offense already. And you know now Roderick feels like Slovis knows this entire playbook, and they can throw a lot at him. And uh, but yes, the the stats are concerning for sure. But I, I do think that Slovis has shown when given time. He can pass the ball uh, at a high clip. I mean, some of the passes he had, he had a 65-yarder to Isaac Rex last week. And you go back and watch that that throw is, you know, tightrope uh, right in between the defenders to Isaac Rex. He makes some great throws that, that kind of leave you thinking, man, this is an NFL prospect. But there have been times where uh, things have gone sideways for him and he's, you know, throwing interceptions. He's taking care of the ball through the first two weeks, which has been a great sign for him. I think he just feels very comfortable in his own skin at BYU. I think that should lend him to to having an uptick in production this year. And everyone around the program just seems to love the guy. They spoke uh, highly about his leadership, which is a complete 180 difference from where what the narrative was around Pitt, where many thought he, he wasn't the leader. They were ready to throw him into the portal themselves. So uh, Slovis, I think, will will perform well, but he's got to get time from that offensive line. You know, there's the three offensive line additions. We talked about, uh, you know, L.J. Martin is a newcomer, Keaton Slovis just now, obviously. Who are some other newcomers and transfers to watch? Obviously, BYU had a big class come in, and there's, what, about a dozen of them that are expected to or have been helping them. I'd keep an eye on linebacker A.J. Vongfuchan, number 10. He had some interest from South Carolina in the transfer portal. He had it down to BYU, Minnesota, and South Carolina – picked BYU in large part because the linebacker coach at BYU was the guy that recruited him to Utah State. Highly productive guy. Uh, He kind of rounded out BYU's linebacking unit with a pair of veteran players with Max Tooley who comes back, Ben Bywater. And then another transfer is Eddie Heckard. Comes in from Weber State. He was an FCS All-American at Weber State, anchoring the nickel spot in Jay Hill's defense at Weber He's been a great fit for BYU. He's got one INT already. He's kind of a leader on the back end of BYU's defense. Got a lot of attitude and confidence, which is something that BYU doesn't have much of in years past. And that was a 
a, a welcomed addition because, I mean, you guys know firsthand how poor BYU's defense was a season ago. They had no edge. They had no attitude. And Eddie Hecker brings a little bit of that edge to to, to BYU. He could have been maybe a day three NFL draft pick uh, this past April, but he, he wants to improve his stock. And, and Jay Hill feels like he's a guy that uh, is just a perfect fit in this BYU defense going up against a lot more power five competition moving up to this level. I've covered Arkansas for 20 years and – until last year, I'd never seen a coach fire his strength and conditioning coach. And Arkansas did that. They were aiming at more power lifting this time and uh, just wanted to get to be in a stronger team. Arkansas had some short yardage and goal line issues last season, didn't feel like they maintained the strength. BYU's kind of gone a different direction. They also fired their strength staff and have kind of shifted things to more flexibility and and speed. I just find this really interesting because you don't see it very often. And then when you have seen it now, they kind of have gone two different directions in the philosophies. What's your thoughts on on the changes that they made there? And is that something that we're seeing translate uh, on the field? Necessary change for BYU to make that that shift because they had so many injuries. The the powerlifting approach that new Tafisi incorporated BYU strength program. I mean, it just there were so many injuries year after year. Mm-hmm. Last year, BYU was second to only Texas A&M in, in number of different starters. They had 46 different players start in games last year. Some of that was scheme-based, but a lot of it was due to injuries, and uh, Kalani Satake had to make a change. And I think part of it, too, coincided with the change going to the Big 12 Conference. They felt like, let's let's start anew. This is a great way to kind of clean the slate and get some new support staff. But they bring in Ryan Phyllis from Purdue, uh, who was the assistant strength coach there. And they also have this individual who's kind of a sports science background, Dr. Skylar Maine, who really has taken a, a very individual approach to all 123 guys on the roster. And so far, the early returns is, is that BYU's healthier. Uh, they're not as injured. I mean, we, we know about Cody Epps, who's had a career of dealing with hamstring issues during his time at BYU. But, you know, outside of that, they've been relatively healthy. So early returns suggest that it's been a, a positive change thus far for BYU. All right, Mitch. Well, we really appreciate you coming on here. Would you like to give a prediction on how things are going to turn out on Saturday? I feel like this is going to be a low-scoring game. Maybe I'm going against the grain here, but I just feel – like BYU and Arkansas are going to have uh, kind of a defensive battle here. And I feel like BYU has kind of held back some of their playbook with Jay Hill and the defense for this game. BYU's pretty good in revenge games under Kalani Satake a couple years back. They got destroyed by Wisconsin in 2017. Then one year later, as a 21-point underdog, they go into Camp Randall and sprung the upset on Wisconsin. Uh, you know, they, they typically are, are good in these spots. Uh, but I, I do think Arkansas pulls it out. I'm going to say around, you know, like a weird score, 22 to 16. Arkansas wins. Maybe some kickers are involved to get some field goals. But uh, I think there's the defense is going to kind of win the night where both teams are going to kind of go back and forth. And who can have maybe that big play that, that breaks through to, to put them on top? I say Arkansas gets it done. All right, Mitch. Well, we really appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll see you on Saturday. And don't forget to hit me up, and I'll let you know where to go. You're the best, Trey. Thank you so much. All right, Mitch. All right, everybody, that's Mitch Harper. Again, you can follow him at Mitch underscore Harper if you're interested in keeping up with the BYU Cougars. He does a fantastic job over there at one of our sites in the 24-7 Sports Network. And as I mentioned, does 
as you can see, the guy's comfortable being on air. He does a lot of radio and such. All right, where we want to go next here. A lot of good stuff today. Big game coming up. I don't know if you're going to be at the game, if you're going to be watching on TV. I know a lot of people like to stream, you know, different streaming servers and stuff. And if you're doing that, then the best internet to have is Ozarks Go. You can check out our friends at ozarksgo.net slash hog, and you can reach them at 479-684-4900. The thing I like about Ozarks Go, in addition to, for me personally, having 100% uptime, never having to worry about internet, not ever having to worry about slow internet and stuff, is these guys are local also. You call them at 479-684-4900. You're going to talk to somebody who probably knows what's going on with the Razorbacks. So I think that's really important, and you're not going to sacrifice anything going with a local company versus some big other company. I've had all the others. I've had – I'm not going to name off every one I've had, but in the last several years, few years, I've had uh, three other Internet service providers, and none of them have matched the consistency and the quality that I get with Ozarks Go. I'll use the multi-gig. It's 2,500 megabits per second. This computer right now, just wirelessly, I'm not even close to my router. It's pulling 650 megabits per second up and down. Um, Hardwired stuff. Obviously, you're going to get a lot faster speed with the full access. But uh, Ozarks Go, a tremendous service. Uh, If you're looking to change Internet service providers or you're not 100% satisfied, your contract is up, the good news about them, you're not going to pay more next year than you pay this year. They're not going to rope you in with some low rate and then start jacking you up year after year. Uh, You're going to pay the same this year as you pay next year. Uh, So a great service with Ozarks Go. Trey Biddy stamp of approval for those guys. like how I snuck that in there. It's important to get a good segue. All right, let's go to a few questions. Real quick, though, plenty of ways to watch and listen. You can always tune in on Facebook Live. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, take a moment and subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'll wait for you. Most of the people that watch the show aren't subscribed to the YouTube channel. Don't know why that is, but that's the way it is. So um, we're at about 17,000 subscribers right now. I would love to get to 20. I really would. And most of you, again, that are watching the videos aren't subscribed. So go ahead and subscribe real quick. If you haven't thrown us a five-star review, we're getting close to 1,000 reviews on Apple Podcast. Close to 1,000 reviews. So throw us that five-star review. Hey, say something nice about the show. Let other people know what you think about it. And as I always say, share it with somebody. It's been a little hard for me to talk today. I went to the dentist earlier. Um Shout out to Wes, um, <laughs> my hygienist, uh, baby's name's Wes. Uh, but uh, went to the dentist today, and I've got fluoride on my teeth right now. So it's been like just dealing with extra, extra, extra. But uh, anyway, go uh, – let's see. I don't even know what I was talking about but going to the dentist. But we're going to go to your questions right now. But if you haven't thrown us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we're almost at 1,000 reviews, and I'd love to get there at least by the end of the football season, right? Sorry about cutting out there earlier. That was my bad. The microphone had just a little audio issue. It was a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! 
Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for The Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Okay. So, the default mode on this on YouTube is basically to where it only allows me to have, I guess, so many because the last thing it talked about was 29 minutes ago and we've been running this show for 46 minutes. So if you had a question earlier in the show that I didn't get to and you want to ask it now, now would be the time to do it. We're going to go quick here. We're just taking good questions. Timothy David Long says, would you trade a loss to LSU or Ole Miss? What if I was like a coach? And I was like, I don't deal in hypotheticals. Would you trade a loss to LSU or Ole Miss with a win at Alabama and Tuscaloosa? I'll be in Tuscaloosa for the Bama game versus 50-yard line on the home side. Nice seats. Uh, Timothy, I would not trade two wins over SEC teams for one. I would take the LSU win in Baton Rouge. I would take the Ole Miss win. And, you know, if things don't work out in Tuscaloosa, so be it. But I'd take two wins over one any day. Will Bonham says, hey, Trey, what's your take? You know, I do think it's interesting, though, because a lot of people are talking about, you know, this may be Arkansas's year now. Because, you know, Alabama's out of the gate. They haven't, you know, looked Alabama-ish. They're, they're having some quarterback questions. Um, you know, LSU obviously got whipped up pretty good by Florida State, beat the crap out of – I mean, they took it out on Grambling. Uh, but it seems like there's a window. You know, Auburn's in year one of Hugh Freeze. Is there a window for Arkansas to possibly win the West? The problem is Arkansas hadn't looked great out of the gate. But Arkansas has what I think – Looking at it now, probably the best quarterback in the SEC. I still think, guys, Arkansas has the most talented team that they've had under Sam Pittman, okay, despite how things have started out. And I'm talking from a personnel perspective. This is the most talented team that Sam Pittman has had, okay? Sorry, got to take a sip of water. Fluoride's getting to me. So this is the most talented team. I don't think they're – I think if you ask anybody up there, Anybody who is up there on the staff, you know, people who observe regularly, they're going to tell you the same thing as I tell you. You know, the question has always been, what does everybody else look like? Because they're able to add from the transfer portal too. But you've got K.J. Jefferson back. You know, you got Rocket Sanders back. Hopefully he'll get healthy soon. We're thinking Rocket Sanders is going to be hopefully back by LSU. And if not, Texas A&M most likely. Uh, that's what Sam Pittman said on his radio show yesterday. So, Will Bonham says, Trey, what would take in your opinion to make Arkansas a playoff contender down the road? Also, where is Arkansas at making big-time NIL deals with future players? Are we slacking in that area? Uh, I don't think they're slacking. Maybe they're not doing some of the work that some other programs at, you know, the you know elite blue-chip programs or blue-blood programs are doing. But, you know, Arkansas is competing, you know. The way I figure it, guys, just looking around the league and talking to other people and seeing what's going on at Arkansas, it's like give or take a million bucks for a quarterback, you know, unless you're like 
maybe Heisman level, then you might be talking twice as much. But you're like a million bucks. Uh, you know, if you're a really good player, like a really good player who's going to be better than, you know, most people you compete against, 100,000. You know, maybe an end or an offensive tackle can get way up there. Maybe 250 for a guy that's like All-American, All-SEC type, like guarantee All-SEC type. Like, it's big bucks right now in college football. Um, so that's kind of the numbers that I see getting tossed around. But if you're average, you're not getting much because there's other average guys in the transfer portal too. No, I don't think that they're slacking. Are they leading the way? I don't know if that's true either. Matt Kirk, I do think that that is something, though, You, you to answer your question, how can Arkansas get in the playoff hunt and everything? Transfer portal. Like recruiting, yes. Recruiting is going to be important, obviously. But the transfer portal. I mean, let's look at this team right now. Um, you brought in a transfer offensive lineman. He's starting. You brought in three transfer wide receivers. Two of them are starting. Uh, you brought in – um, you know, a transfer, two transfer defensive ends. One of them is starting. The other's playing a big role. Two transfer defensive tackles. They're both playing big roles. In fact, Kiwi Rose, you know, there's been some talk about getting him in the starting lineup. You brought in two transfer linebackers. Both of them are making an impact. One of them has started both of the last games. Uh, you brought in, what, three, four transfer defensive back. One of them quit the team. The other played a significant amount last week because Dwight McLaughlin was out in the first play, basically. Um, and then Al Walcott and Landon um, actually brought in five defense backs because uh, Jaheim Singletary is also starting at cornerback. Uh, but uh, Snacks Johnson and um, Alfaheem Walcott. So the transfer portal is a big way, yes, that you can continue to get. And, then, you know, maybe the quarterback of the future in Jacoby Criswell also. B.A. is in San Fran. I knew he was in San Fran. I just didn't know. Did they – Did they? Uh, Jake, did they uh, Did they keep three quarterbacks, I guess? I guess that's what would have had to happen. Or is he you – know, I guess they would have to take three quarterbacks, right? Dylan Horton says, hey, Trey, do you think they have just been experimenting with the O-line? Yes, I do. Um, you know, I, I didn't mean to, like, ask Pittman, like, everybody's like, go get him, Trey. Like, I didn't – that's not how I was asking the question about – you know, experimenting with the offensive auditioning. And I think Pittman, as he talked, you know, he's like, not auditioning. And he's like, well, maybe auditioning. And then I was just like, well, you know, you don't see a lot of other teams do that. And you don't. I didn't mean it's like you're doing it wrong. I just meant you don't see a lot of other teams doing that. But, I mean, given that things are the way they are with the first two games and, you know, you've got some, you know, reasons to audition guys because you had injuries and other guys have stepped into roles and you say, hey, I want to get this guy a chance. Then, but I do think that we are. We might see a little bit, but I don't think we're going to see anything like we saw last week in terms of trying different players. Timothy David Long says, "I just want KJ to be safe and healthy." Yeah, I'd love to see KJ make it through the whole season healthy. I mean, if he'd have made it through the whole season last year healthy, I think Arkansas probably would have gotten a couple more wins. First of all, I think they would have beat Liberty, Liberty, and would have beat uh, LSU, and who knows what would have happened at Mississippi State with healthy KJ Jefferson, but. I think they get two more wins last year. We're talking about potential nine-win team, depending on the the bowl matchup. Uh, and you're also talking to KJ more recognition because he would have had over three thousand yards passing. You know, he would have had over seven hundred yards rushing. He would have had more touchdowns. But people just look at the stats; they don't recognize. Oh, well, he missed two full games and was banged up in another. 
There we go with the bouncing around again. Had the O-line been practicing hard this week and improving? I haven't not I did not watch the offensive line. We don't get as much access to practice. We probably get about 15, 20 minutes of practice um, during the season. So we haven't had as much access as we had in fall camp. But I never actually got down to the offensive line. I was really, you know, watching other groups, linebackers, defensive line. Travis Cross says, have they found the O-line they want to play and keep the game more? Yeah, I think we kind of addressed that. Uh, Landon says, Landon Montgomery says, Pitt seemed frazzled during the post game. Every snap on my boy, even snapped on my boy, try to see what gives. I mean, I, I can understand just being frustrated. Like, you got to imagine, you know, you're you expected to get more out of your team and – you come into the post-game press conference right after the game, right after addressing your team, you know, and you got to start answering questions after not playing as well as you expected to play. And, yeah, I mean, I think I would probably be short with people. I know I would. <laughs> I know who I am. Uh, I know I would probably, yeah, be a little short with people. But, I, um, I mean, Sam and I are fine. I mean, we have a good working relationship, so I don't think that's a problem. But, uh I don't maybe I don't know maybe he didn't love the way I phrased that question but I didn't have any ill ill intent towards it and I think he probably knows that. Uh, Jeff Keaton Little says I feel our slow start last week was mostly due to the coaches trying to get the running game going, which needs to happen. Yes, it does, but just wasn't working. And that's a good point, Jeff, because like when you scrimmage, you're working mostly on passing game. You know, when people are talking about like, getting a lot of sacks and stuff, they're touch sacks, first of all, but also defense is pinning their ears back more because you're working passing game mostly. You're not just going to go pound and pound and pound and, you know, wear your running backs down and wear your defense down. So you don't do as much running the ball, at least, uh, you know, like you, you want to. So these early games are good opportunities to try to get that going. And they just had some problems with, you know, if it wasn't not getting good strain on a block or not – blocking the right guy or something, then the running back wasn't trusting the hole was going to be there. And so I'm sure as much as working with the offensive line, it's like – and A.J. did a good job of that. But DeBinion, uh, I felt like, wasn't just hitting the hole the way he he should. Um, and I think Dominic may have done that once or twice too, maybe once. Rodney Winkler says – got to find you again because we jumped. Uh, unleash K.J. and get him hurt, and then y'all have something negative to say about that. Yeah, that's true, Rodney. Uh, give this team some time to gain some chemistry and confidence in the schemes, and this is going to be a very dangerous football team. Yes, the time has passed, though. Now it's time to be dangerous because uh, the meat of the schedule is coming up. But that's a good point, Rodney. Kingsley says, talk to him, Rodney. <laughs> He's got your back, Rodney. We definitely don't want to rush KJ into the run game for two glorified scrimmages. Uh, those are all good points. Jonathan Parker says, does Enos unleash the offense this week? I think we'll see better offense. I think we could see maybe a little maybe a little more scoring than um, than Mitch had. You know, Mitch kind of thinks it'll be a little more low scoring. I kind of think it could be a little more. Cody Hamilton says, do you think the new clock rule is affecting not only the Hogs, but all of teams? Seems like a lot of teams across the country are struggling to look like they did last year. I mean, Kent State had like 200 yards of offense, and they still milked the clock down. So, yeah, I don't like the new clock rules. I don't think anybody likes them. I didn't think I was going to like them when they were announced. 
I mean, you got a 40-second clock, you get a first down, and you can take 40 seconds off. That clock used to stop, you know. It still stops when you go out of bounds. It's still, you know, I mean, it just doesn't stop for a first down, and that take, you know, that's an extra 40 seconds. And it's not 40 seconds because you'd normally, you know, snap the ball, you know, in the middle of the play clock or so. But, um, yeah, I think it's – I think it's an issue. I don't like – I don't know why we needed to change the new clock rules. I think you're going to run into a lot of teams like when you play Kent State's and such that are probably going to try to do that four corners type of offense. Kingsley says, oh, Enos has definitely been holding back. Man, you don't run. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's any question about that. Again, I pointed back to 2021. That Arkansas's, you know, last really good team and – they did not just fire on all cylinders coming out of the gate. They had 13 penalties in that game. They won by 21 points over Rice and took a little while to get going. And then they kicked the crap out of Texas the next weekend. So they beat Kent State by 22. Didn't allow a touchdown. Cole Trim says, who wins slamming 12-ounce curls, Kennedy or Pittman? 12-ounce curl. What is a, what is a curl? Is that a drink? I guess it's a drink. It's a 12-ounce drink. I don't know what that is, Cole. <laughs> Kingsley says, hey, Trey, I'm seeing multiple teams struggling with running ball, not just us. Is that a parody thing? Or is it just downright now in general? I don't – that's a good question. I don't know what it is. I mean, it could be a lot of newness with teams just with the transfer portal. I don't, I don't know. I mean, here's what's weird too. I mean – Sample size, the bigger sample size you get, for my scientists out there, um, the more, the better chances that you have, you know, things fall into. Like, for example, we've talked about, this was off of some show recently, if you flip a coin, you know, if you flip a coin 10 times, there's a chance you could land on head every time. It's not a great chance, but there's a chance. But if you do that, you know, a thousand times or a million times, then you're going to be pretty close to 50-50. Right now, games are actually longer, like a minute or two longer than they were last year, even with the new clock rules. That's going to change as we get more of a bigger sample size. So we'll see. But, you know, it could just be like a lot of new faces and, you know, you don't work as much on the running game. You you work on it, but you don't scrimmage it as much. Cole Trim says, 40-yard contest, who's running the fastest time, you, Andrew, or Danny? I mean, if we were all the same age and I was in my 20s, then I would beat all everybody on our team. I would beat Andrew, Danny, Grant, who's our new guy. Welcome. Um, Grant Baker, the newest addition to Hog Sports. Uh, and I would beat Curtis. And Curtis runs a lot, but I would beat all of them. Now, I think Curtis might get me in a, in a, in a 40. But he, he's, he's a good bit younger than I am. But um, – I think I would get Danny, and I think I would get Andrew. Maybe we should do it. I'm not convinced that I wouldn't win. I wasn't necessarily slow in my youth. Scott Kobe Reeves says, Trey, I always say that, by the way. You could ask me anything. if I, I beat him in basketball, too. Kobe Scott, <laughs> Scott Kobe Reeves says, Trey, just wanted to say thanks for asking tough questions last week. I mean, I'm just asking – I'm not trying to – I'm not going like – like, you ready for some tough questions, Sam? That's not the thing that I'm doing. It's just I'm thinking, like, what do the fans want to know here? What do I want to know? I'm just going to ask those questions. I'm not going to be like, 
I better ease into this. I'm just going to ask the questions that I want to ask. And that's what I've always done. So I'm not like going in thinking he's got to answer for this. You know, that's, that's just not who I am. But, you know, a lot of times I ask questions and people come out going, wow, Trey was really, you know, that's not, that's not what I'm thinking going in, but I appreciate that, Scott. I really do. Um, you are our voice. We appreciate it. That's, I mean, that again, that's what I'm trying to do. Great job, man. It's football season, and I'm just ready to be excited. It's – who lets Bob a- – what? Cole, I'm not understanding. You're going to have to, like, do complete – I can't understand what you're saying. TJ Lewis says everyone complains over a game. Just get the win, and there's nothing to talk about. Jerry Redwine says the KJ hate is cra- – who's hating on KJ? Might be the best – QB in school history by his time, but his, by his time here's done. I mean, he's going to hold a lot of records at Arkansas. Is people are people hating on KJ? I've just, I mean, I've seen occasional guys like, you know, bring in the backup quarterback, but like, guys, KJ Jefferson is. He may end up, as he said, being like the best quarterback that Arkansas has had. He's certainly going to own a lot of records. He's the best. He's the second most efficient quarterback in a single season, probably for his career. I would say KJ is probably the most efficient quarterback that Arkansas has ever had. I think if you look overall for a career, um, is he the best running quarterback? I mean, I think I would I would like to have Matt Jones running the ball, but KJ is right up there, no question. And when you combine the two, like who who does that? Who's brought the run and the pass like KJ Jefferson has? All right, let's see. Okay, I think we'll see more tight end game going forward, yeah. Um, Luke has played a lot of snaps last weekend, and they've got you know plenty of tight ends. Need to get Varkey's gums going. Jerry Redwine says the commercials are the biggest issue the time of games. NCAA needs to get a hold of the problem, the clock rules. I mean, their NCAA isn't going to like, you know, Oops, what did I just do there? NCAA isn't going to, like, crack down on that. They're just not. Like, NCAA is not doing anything, first of all, but they're certainly not going to crack down on the revenue side of things. But it is a problem. Kickoffs are almost worthless. Ceremonious, basically. Should be, anyway. Um, But, you know, I'm watching a game the other day, and there's a long two-minute, 45-second break before the the kickoff. They kick the ball off, and then they do another two-minute and 45-second break for a commercial. And and commercials are important. Like, this is how I am able to bring everything that I bring to you, our friends at Ozarks Go, for example. Um, You know, on our website, when we run free content, it's important to have commercials and sponsors. And I, I would hope that everybody can appreciate that, um, you know, especially when you're not paying for something like you're paying like a subscription thing for like HBO or something. I, I get that. You don't want commercials. But, um, you know, this kind of stuff, we function off of sponsors, TV function off of sponsors, but there's a balance. And what they're doing right now is Oh, dramatic overkill it's just way too much you're taking too many breaks and you're trying to shorten the college football game it's not fair to the fans who pay a ticket the same price as it was last year for a game that's three and a half hours three hours and 45 minutes and this year they go to a game that's two hours and 45 minutes 
you have to protect the interest of the fans. I keep saying that, like, you've got all these players that, you know, like I was watching the Johnny Manziel thing and like they're talking about all the money people made on the backs of Johnny Manziel and he didn't make anything. What about what Johnny Manziel made on the backs of the other people that built Texas A&M, that started it from the very beginning, that his platform wouldn't have even been there without the people before him. And you have to appreciate the people that came before, the people that helped build the thing. You have to appreciate the players, the coaches, the 65-whatever people that work in the football program, um, the fans, the integrity of the game, and the fan experience, okay? Those have to be protected. And people lately, in my opinion, too much are leaving out the fan. And if you want to find out what football is like without the fans, keep doing it. Sorry for the rant. All right, everybody. I got to go. One hour and six minute show. This is our longest show in a while. All right. That's it. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. Um, I like Arkansas in this game. I'm not unlike Curtis. I maybe like him by a couple of scores. So, bet Saracen line is eight and a half right now. So, I think, you know, maybe I like that for Arkansas. But we'll come out with our predictions officially on Friday. I'm trying to think. I feel like there's something else I wanted to say, but I think that's it. I went on that little rant at the end. All right, everybody. I want to thank Mitch Harper for hopping on and joining us. And, uh, yeah, of course, Curtis Wilkerson, who does a great job for us. And appreciate all your questions. Appreciate our friends at Ozarks Go. And uh, that's the show. We'll be back with you guys on Saturday. It'll be a late walk and talk. There'll be a lot to cover. You got to remember, I got press conferences. I got an article. You know, I got to get back and forth, move up and down. I got to get ready. And so it's not like the game ends and then the walk and talk because I get – not that I don't love getting hammered with, like, where's the walk and talk? I love that everybody loves it so much. But, um, you know, it's going to take a minute, so you might have to stay up kind of late. All right, everybody, thanks for joining me. Uh, this has been Trey Biddy with hogsports.com, and we'll catch you next time. 